0: As we have started a new year, if you can believe it, we're already 15 days into it. But as we have started a new year, we've taken on the focus of rekindling our hope. Moving into January, moving into this new year, we've taken on the focus of remembering our hope as followers of Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal, living in a tough world... Living in a sinful world, living in a hard world, I believe we begin to be discouraged. And I believe that's what happens. We, we're living in this hard world, we're living really in a, in a wicked day, and we begin to be overcome. And we, piece by piece by piece, lose our hope. And I'll just tell you, if we're not careful, We forget the hope that we have in Jesus and we get our heads down. We fall into this pattern of the world, this trap of the world that we're just getting by. You see, that's what the world does. It just tries to go around the next corner. It tries to just go over the next hill. Well, if we're not careful, we fall into this pattern where we're just getting by. Even as gloriously redeemed, saved people of Jesus... We live sadly without hope. Well, friend, I want to tell you this morning, that's not to be. Friend, I want to tell you that is actually Satan's plan. And the truth is, today, as hard as it is, as crazy as it is, as dark as it seems, hear me, we have hope. Today, we have hope. Be sure this morning, whatever circumstance, our Hope stands today. Today, this is our third message in the series, and it is entitled, A Residing Hope. A Residing Hope. Now, we have one verse today. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. A Residing Hope. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter one, verse 27, God's word says this, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now I'm gonna read that verse again. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, The hope of glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today and we praise you. We come today and we thank you. We come today and we know we have hope in Christ, but only in Christ. We're thankful that we have salvation, but we also know it only came through the finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we come today, we praise you, we thank you, we worship you with our mouths, with our hearts. We lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray in this hour that as we have set our minds to remembering our hope according to your word, encouraged by your word, I pray that you would speak to us today. I I pray, Lord, I know your word is living and active, and I pray that, that you would talk to us today, that you would instruct us today. Maybe you would have to convict us today, but I pray, Lord, that it would bear much fruit, and I pray that there would be a people filled with hope, a people that look like you and point to you And I pray, Lord, that you be glorified in that process. Lord, I pray for some, many who have no hope outside of Jesus. I pray in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ that today, this very day, this very hour, in the hearing of your good news, that they might turn to you and they might trust you as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, we give you this hour, it's yours. We ask that you move in it. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So far in our study, seeking to rekindle hope, we have seen the first week that we have an abounding hope. We have an abounding hope. Now, if you remember, that word means it is overflowing. It is running over. And that's the description of the hope that we have in Jesus, It is an overflowing hope. However hopeless the things of the world may seem, the truth is our hope is bigger. And so you sit here today and say, well, I didn't see this coming. Well, this is too much. Well, this is too terrible. Well, the truth is no matter how hopeless the things of the world may seem in Christ, our hope is bigger. We have an abounding hope. How do we live in a distraught, discouraging, hopeless world? We have an abounding hope. let me tell you, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that we have an abounding hope. Second thing we saw last week is we have a better hope. Now, this is the big deal. This is important. We have a better hope where all other hopes fail, where all other hopes fade away, where they wreck We as believers have a better hope. Be sure today, your hope in people, in relationships, in stuff, in success, in wealth, in health, in a career, you name it, your hope in any of those things can and will fail. But as believers, we have an unfailing hope. What good news is that? We have an unfailing hope. Now, last week we saw in 1 Peter, he told us it is because we have a living hope. We have a living hope. Folks, be sure in our day, what we are seeing right now is what happens when you put your hope in a failing hope. Now, look at our culture today. Look at our schools today. Look at our young people today. Look at our world today. What we're seeing today is what happens when you put your hope in a failing hope. Now, look around today. People are discouraged. Look around today. People are depressed. People are hurting. Their hopes have failed. Their their hopes have proven empty, and they are utterly hopeless today. I, I watch our world. People are utterly hopeless today. And so here's what they do. They launch off. They didn't find it there and so maybe they'll find it over here and so they they gear up and they launch off and here they go and when they get there, it's just as empty, it's just as hollow and, and they recognize that and so they gear up again, they shake it off again and they launch off in another direction. Maybe I'll find hope in this relationship. Maybe I'll find hope in this job. Maybe if I get these things all taken care of, I will find hope and they launch off over here. And life has become a hard running after everything that does not matter. See, our world today, that's the the description of our world. It is this grinding and this striving and this hard running after everything that does not matter. And what it produces is sadness. And we're, we're tired and we're empty and we're worn out and we're filled with stress. We're striving after things that produce no hope friends, listen to me today. We have an abounding hope. We have a better hope. Well, here's the big question. Here's the big question. I'm glad you're here this morning. Why? Why? Why hope? Is there a reason to hope really? Is there really a reason to hope? Is there something, someone to hope in really? Aren't these bunch really just a bunch of trumped-up religious words? Isn't this what we have to say? We're in the trouble of life, and we have to say, well, there's hope. Isn't this what we have to say? And all the troubles and the trials and the heartaches and the dashed dreams of life, why would we hope? Aren't you just setting yourself up for failure again? Didn't you put your hope? Didn't you put everything and something and it it was jerked out from under you? Aren't you setting yourself up for a fall again? Why have hope? Why hope today? Is there an answer to that question? Well, I want to tell you, I could hardly sleep last night because I can't wait to tell you the answer to that question. I'm so excited to tell you the answer to that question. Today, our lesson comes out of a bigger lesson. Now stay with me. We're going to move through some stuff this morning. Our lesson comes out of a bigger lesson that Paul is teaching, that Paul is presenting in a a letter that he writes to the Colossian church. And so here's this letter to the Colossian church, and he's teaching this bigger thing, and it is in Paul's addressing of this thing that we find our answer to this thing. Now praise the Lord for that. That's what we're going to see today. Now, let's look at our verse today, verse 27. Now, let me tell you the context of the verse. The context is this. Paul is telling the Colossian church who he is. He has to do that over and over. He's telling them what he is doing, what his mission is. He has to tell them that over and over again. And then the big thing is he is telling them why he is suffering for that mission. Now, the idea is here, if you're an apostle, then why in the world are you suffering? If God's hand is on you, if you're empowered by God, why in the world do you have all this trouble? That doesn't seem to match up. And so all the way through his ministry, he has to answer the question, I am an apostle, this is my mission, and this is why I am suffering. Now, that is his introduction. After that, he's going to instruct them in this letter. It's an awesome letter, but this is the opening to his letter. He's telling them who he is. He's telling them what his mission is, what he's doing. And he's telling them why he is suffering. Now, let me read the set of verses and we'll build our context from there. I'm going to jump back and start in verse 24 this morning. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. In verse 24, he says very plainly here, Christ suffered for the gospel. We know that he suffered for the gospel. Well, he says, Paul, he is also suffering for the gospel, serving the gospel cause, serving the church, he also is suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Verse 25, Paul says he is a minister of the church. Paul says as a minister of the church, now these are important verses, he has a stewardship for that church to God. Now these are things that are, that are true today. As a minister to that church, he has a stewardship for that church to God. He has a responsibility to, to God for his serving the church. Then he says, God giving him as a minister of that church, responsible to God for that church, is for their benefit. He puts it into words. He says it to them. His being sent to the church as a minister, having a stewardship to God for his ministry, placed in that church, is for their benefit, is for their good, It is for their blessing. Now, I'm going to take a side note here for just a second. God's called, sent, empowered ministers are a blessing to his church. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that's God's grace to our church. We forget that's his plan for his church. They are a needed blessing from God given to his church. In verse 25, he says his ministry, his work, his responsibility before God is to carry out the preaching of the word of God. That's his primary ministry. That's what he does in the church. His primary responsibility, the one that he will give an account for, is to preach the word of God. Verse 25, again, of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Verse 26. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints. Now verse 26 tells us what he is preaching. What he is preaching is this mystery, that's the word that he uses, now made known to the saints, now made known to the church. Now what is that? That, That's kinda hard to understand, let me explain that. What is that? He is preaching the word of God. What is the word of God? It's the mystery that's now made known to the saints. Now what does that mean? It means this, in the Old Testament, it foretold of the coming Messiah. God promised the coming Messiah, the Savior from God. There is a promise of a Savior, a remedy for sinners foretold of in the Old Testament. It's also foretold that the Gentiles would be included in Abraham's blessing, that there would be a blessing and it would be for all people, and the Gentiles will be included in Abraham's blessing. And those things, the, the promise of the Messiah, the identity of the Savior, the, the blessing going to the Gentiles Those things remained a mystery. They remained unknown. They remained unfilled until Jesus. Well, now that truth is preached. It has been revealed in Jesus. And so now that truth is declared, that truth is made known. All right, let's go to verse 27 now. To whom God willed, To make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now I want you to hear that again. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, stay with me this morning. In this larger teaching that's going on here, we find the answer to our question today. In verse 27, Paul says this mystery, this message that God willed to make known, he describes it here as the riches of glory. What a deep word that is. What a profound description that is. This mystery, this message, the riches of glory. Verse 27, he says, God willed to make it known among the Gentiles. Now, I want you to see this. At this point in history, right here where he is writing, at this point in history, the gospel has been made known to the Jews. Now, some of them received it. We know many of them did not. At this point in history, when he is writing, the gospel message has now gone out to the Gentiles, to those that were non-Jews. That's what it means. And so it was made known to the Jews. Many of them rejected it. Well, now it has gone out to the Gentiles and they are receiving the good news of the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, not all of them, but they are receiving the good news of Christ. In fact, at this point, the church now has more of a Gentile base than a Jewish base. And so as the word's gone out and the Gentiles are hearing it and embracing it and receiving it, there's now more Gentiles in the church than there are Jews in the church. Now, some of the Jews have issues with that. Some of the Jews can't understand that. And so Paul is teaching. That's what this is. Well, Paul says the mystery hidden and now revealed the good news promised now made known, the riches reserved now manifest is, now listen to me, is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so there's what we're going to focus on in 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 the midst of this deeper teaching, in the midst of this bigger teaching, we have our answer today. And it says this, this mystery now made known is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have this bigger teaching, but in it we have our answer today. Now, what is the hope of glory? What is the hope of glory? The word here for glory means being in glory. It means experiencing God's glory. It means participating in glory. And so this is participating in glory. Well, what is the hope of glory? Now, remember, we've learned for two weeks now, the word hope means sure expectation, confident anticipation. That is what it is to have a hope, as the word is here in our Bible. It is a sure expectation. It is a confident anticipation. And so the question is, what is the Hope, what is the sure expectation of our participation in glory? So in this bigger teaching, we have this profound truth. What is the hope of glory? Paul says, I hope you're listening. Listen very carefully. Paul says the hope of glory is Christ in you. The hope of glory is Christ in you. Now, I'm going to build on that. I'm going to explain that. I want you to hear that. Our hope, listen to me, our hope in a future, our hope in a sinless existence, our hope in a new heaven and a new earth where the former things have passed away, our hope in a time where there's no sickness, no death, no pain, or no sorrow, our hope of walking around in robes of righteousness in no stain of sin, our hope of glory, our sure expectation of glory, our confident anticipation of glory. Listen to me. Today, right now, believer of of Jesus Christ, is Christ in us. When we are saved... When we trust Jesus as our Savior, receiving Him by faith, here's the the biblical truth. When you are saved, when you understand I am a sinner and I need a remedy for my sin, Jesus is the Lamb of God that paid for sin. He is the risen Lamb of God. And when I trust Him as my Savior, when I receive Him in faith as my Savior, the truth of Scripture is this, we are indwelt with Christ. We are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, It is now Christ who lives in me. The book of Ephesians says, The Spirit of Christ in us. The hope of glory is Christ in us. Folks, let me get it back to square one. Let me boil it down to square one. Why do we hope? Here we are today in a a messed up world. Here we are today in tough situations. Why do we hope in bad days, in wicked days, in sorrowful days when our hearts are broken, in unexpected days when we are reeling, in days when we have failed in our sin and we stand in our guilt so ashamed, why do we hope? Jesus. Jesus. You want the answer? It's Jesus. We have hope because of Jesus. That is the message. We have hope not in religious practice, not in impressing somebody, not in doing a bunch of things. We have hope in Jesus. We have hope not in fixing a bunch of things, not in setting things right. We have hope in Jesus. That is my message today. There is hope in Jesus. That is the message of the gospel today. There is hope in Jesus. That is what we herald as the church today. There is hope in Jesus. But maybe we start to forget who we hope in. I think that's what happens. Maybe we become apathetic. Maybe we become disillusioned. Maybe we become distracted. I know we do. And we forget who Jesus is. And so let me give you a reminder today. Why... Do we hope in Jesus? It is because he is the promised Christ, our Savior. That sentence alone is so profound. That sentence alone is so amazing. You know why we hope in Jesus? Because he is the promised Christ, our Savior. We hope because he is the perfect lamb able to take our sins away. Why Jesus? It's because he is the risen lamb, our mighty redeemer. Why Jesus? It's because He is the advocate who carries our cause. Why Jesus? It's because He is the high priest granting us access to the throne of grace. Why Jesus? It's because He is the originator and the giver of life. Why Jesus? It's because He is eternal, the Alpha and the Omega. Why Jesus? It's because he is the resurrection, and yea, though you die, you shall yet liveth. Why Jesus? It's because he is the author of faith. He's the perfecter of it as well. Why Jesus? It's because he is the fulfillment of the law. He doesn't abolish it. He completes it in perfection. Why Jesus? It's because he is the revelation of God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Why Jesus? It's because he is God himself, fully divine. Jesus is God. Why Jesus? It's because he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. He is the word that becomes flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Why Jesus? It's because he is the righteous judge and all judgment has been given unto him. Why Jesus? It's because he is the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. In fact, he is Lord of all those that are over the earth, on the earth, and under the earth. The Bible says he is the Lord of lords. Why Jesus? It's because he is the truth in a world of lies. Why Jesus? It's because he is the light that shines and the darkness, doesn't overcome it. Why Jesus? It's because he is the way when there is no way. Why Jesus? It's because he's the great shepherd who leaves the 99 in search for the one. Why Jesus? It's because he's the talk of prophets. He's the message of angels. He's the subject of scripture. He is the head of the church. Why Jesus? It's because he is the lamp of heaven radiating in his glory. Why Jesus it's because he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the kings. He is the soon and coming king, coming in power and majesty to rule forevermore. And so you ask me today, why do we hope? How can we hope? Listen to me, it's because that Jesus in power and in grace and love, that Jesus by faith and no work of man That Jesus lives in me and that Jesus lives in you. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? That Jesus lives in us. John, in the letter to 1 John chapter 4 says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Listen to me today, friend, that Jesus lives in us. And our reason for hope today, our ability for hope today, our abounding in hope today, our living hope today, and now our residing hope, it is Jesus. He lives in us. He lives in us. We need to remember that today. That Jesus, pick your line, King of kings and Lord of lords, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, that Jesus, the risen Lamb, that Jesus lives in us, how do we do anything but hope? How do we do anything but hope? Maybe he doesn't live in you. And I want to tell you the good news is this. In his grace, in his love, in his mercy, the Bible says if you'll confess your sin, confess your need for a Savior, if you'll ask him for the power to repent and turn and leave that sin and turn to him, you know what he'll do? He'll live in you. Do You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you walked in here, you can walk out of here by faith in Jesus with the King Jesus living in you. You know how awesome that is? And so you're sitting here saying, I'm tired. I'm tired of running to looking for hope. Listen, there's hope in Jesus. If you'll profess him today as your Lord, the Bible says with your mouth, what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You can walk out of here filled with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ. But maybe you've forgotten. Lord, help us, that's all of us. Christ lives in us. And that is the hope of glory. Praise the Lord for a residing hope. Praise the Lord for Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and I'm in awe of you. You're you're so gracious, you're so kind, powerful, loving. You see us as sinners. You see us hopeless. You see us as rebels. You see us as those that have turned away from you. And you love us so much, you give us a way of redemption, a way of reconciliation. And that's unreal. Lord, I, 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 I cling to that. I hope in that. I cherish that. You see us. And in your mercy, you give us a way of salvation in your own son, Jesus. But on top of that, as we trust you in your grace, you indwell us. So we don't walk through this world as orphans. You told us that. We don't walk through this world as those that have been abandoned. We walk through with people led by the word of God, loving the word of God, Jesus, filled with the spirit of God. So Lord, I pray in that we stand up. We wipe off our tears, we pick up our head, and we walk as a people that know we are filled with Christ. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know you, some that are hearing in a different way today that do not know you. And I pray of the hearing of your grace and your mercy and your kindness offered to them in the person in the sacrifice of Jesus. I pray that they would turn to you and trust you. Lord, I pray that it would bear an impact outside of this room. I pray that it will bear an impact in our town, in our culture, in our world. There is hope in Jesus. Lord, we give you this time of response, this time of invitation. We ask that you would work and that you would move in it. We trust it to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And it truly is the most important thing we're going to do today, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. This isn't a lecture. This isn't a passing on of information. This is the word of God. And it bears a decision. And I don't know what your decision is. Maybe you say, you know what, I've forgotten the hope. I've neglected the hope. Maybe your decision is to say, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to be a beacon of that hope. Maybe you want to pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe your response to the preached word of God today is to say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. But I need him and I want to. And maybe your response today is to turn to him in faith and trust him today as your Savior. The Bible says he'll save you today, right now. And maybe that's your response. Maybe you want to come and, and pray in a, in, a, in a hopeless day for this hope to go out. Maybe you want to pray again at an altar, maybe with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.